0: Get ready.
1: Hello and welcome to the Segabit Swinging Report show episode 68. I'm Barry with me is George. Hello and with us, we have the development team from—and correct me if I'm wrong on this—Elysian Shadows. Is that proper way? Of uh, actually, we have no idea, dude. We're from Alabama. <laughs> we don't speak right <laughs> anyway. Elshin, Elshin Shadows. Elshin, Elysian. Whatever. good <laughs> Be- <laughs> words. It's a yeah. It's a it's a popular popular uh, RPG trope to have a that, name that's difficult to. Some, some people name, make it sound regal, like Elisean Shadows. I kind of like that, so maybe I'll go with that. Yeah. That's
2: kind of what we've been rolling with. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so um, why don't we uh, go around and say who we are? are we here. We have uh, Falco. Falco, what's your uh, job on the team? I'm, um, I'm Falco Gerges. I'm, the, the, I'm the, the lead engine, engine and toolkit guy. Kind
2: of like, like the, the I'm the mad scientist of the team.
1: Cool. And then we have Tyler?
2: Yes, uh, Tyler Rogers. I'm the lead gameplay engineer. Um, basically, I write just tons and tons of little scripts
1: trying to bring our vision to life. Awesome. And then we have Connor and a cat.
3: Yeah, this, I'm Connor and this creepy, is cat. Actually. Uh, I'm the soundtrack composer, sound effects guy, level designer, and my cat is my moral support.
1: Does your cat meow? Well on air? It keeps him know. from
2: having panic attacks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you put the cat on the spot, it ain't going to meow. I know, right? Never put cats on the spot. So um, I guess uh, to kick things off, how how are things going with the Kickstarter? Uh, they're We're going
2: really well, actually. We got 33,500 within the first 24 hours. Wow. But, you know, after, after the uh, initial hype dies down, then it's basically your full-time job to make sure that curve doesn't flatline, so... Mm-hmm. That's we really. We've had to s- stress, stress the hell out about that stuff and just do PR and promotion, even though we thought we'd be able to rest after the Kickstarter. Yeah, we we hit launch and uh, we were kind of getting ready to like sit back and find be like, oh, we can take a breather. And then we got like a thousand emails in the first day,
1: <laughs> nope. between
2: comments and everything else. So. No break for us.
1: Oh, no, no. The, the work, hard work, always starts once you post something because then you got to hit all the social networks. You got to talk to people. You have to answer questions. It's, I know, it's, it's and exhausting. it's exhausting between the Facebook and the
2: retweets and everything. You got to stay on top of all that.
1: Yeah. yeah. Are you? Did you guys expect to reach the level that you reached? Um, you're a third of the way to your goal in only five days. Did you expect that?
2: Uh, actually, no. Absolutely not. We, we didn't expect like the huge growth at the beginning, and we definitely we didn't, didn't expect. If you look at the Kickstarter distribution I'm I'm so shocked that the Dreamcast is the best seller right now. I mean, it is. That's, that's awesome. We know, we love the Dreamcasting, you know, and we know there's a lot of people who still play, you know, but in our minds the the size of that scene was kind of limited, you know, it's not as big as the the mainstream PC audience. But I really feel like a lot of gamers that would traditionally have bought uh, a game like this for the PC are actually opting to buy it for the Dreamcast, which to us, is something fucking awesome. I mean, we've sold out of all the, the signed copies already. We had 100 that were signed and the rest are not. Mm. And uh, we at like 120 copies for the Dreamcast when the rest was, what, 45? Something like that. There's a huge difference for us.
1: I think a part of that might come from the fact, I mean, are, I should ask, are the Dreamcast copies going to be available to buy after the Kickstarter?
2: Yeah, we we hope to make them available. I mean uh, we were doing the three different uh, regions too, and that, that kinda helped with that, I guess. A lot of these uh, collectors, yeah. Uh, the diehard Dreamcast fans like say they want all three. You know, and they would give us like for, like three hundred dollars at us or something. Yeah, um, I Especially mean, after
1: we had a day on for it. You'll find that the yeah, Dreamcast indie independent collectors are definitely there are a lot of hardcore ones out there. I mean they'll they'll bitch and moan about a certain genre. They're like, Oh man, there's too many shoot 'em ups, and then another shoot 'em up comes out and they go. Yep, guess I gotta buy that. <laughs> well, I know,
2: dude. I know. I've seen so much of that. So man. Yeah,
1: yeah. Especially with like the ducks games. You know, funny it's funny. hell. one point five to two point five, but uh, but your your game is unique in that it's a role playing game. It's the um, second one to my knowledge out there, but. It, both of them have yet to release. The other one is um, Watermelon Games, is owned you, you, yeah. you, you
2: know that's our publisher, right?
1: Yes, yes. We actually had some questions about them later on, but um, oh, yes. yes. But um, I did want to ask a, a Kickstarter, another Kickstarter-related question. Uh, following the whole Yogg's cast controversy, uh, did that uh, make you guys nervous about how you would approach the Kickstarter? to change the way that you were thinking? Which would oh
2: are, are those, those the, the guys before? That, are those, those the guys that guys screwed up and royally fucked over everyone and like, like made yeah, Kickstarter look really bad? It. Yes. The yes. oh, so so Kickstarter did no an article about that, like complaining not specifically about Yogscast, cast, but like Kickstarter in general. And it's like <laughs> you guys are the ones that talk about them way too early sometimes. You're the one that, that, that does that kind of press and then it fails, and then like you want to say, it's all Kickstarter's fault. Right. Like, you're, you're backing fans. projects that aren't going to make it. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's not entirely the, the uh, producer's fault.
3: Like, I read the Kickstarter's their Kickstarter page and I saw like red flags all over the place, and it was kind of like. Yeah, the yeah. always Cast one? Yeah, it's like yeah. it's not really surprising. So it's right. Lives is a big deal.
2: I mean, it's it's really unfortunate, though, for people like, not just sound area, but people like us, who we feel like, like we've worked, worked our asses, asses off of this, this and we've tried, tried so long, and, and, and we've, done, we've everything done everything right, right from like, like a like development, development perspective so, and, and being, being sincere and open with the audience to adventures in game development. Right. You know, there's not really anything we have that I feel like should be a red light as far as like they were, yet since we're coming after them,
1: we're kind of getting fucked over because of, of uh, their own sins yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i think uh one of the major issues they ran into was promising all these rewards too when i feel like they should have been focusing more on the game do you feel, do you guys feel like you have a good balance between the rewards that you're offering and the actual effort going into the game
2: uh absolutely i mean like the, the reward stuff we're really lucky uh because of watermelon i mean they went through the process already of figuring out how they wanted to package these discs and Going through the whole part, like, production process already, so we get to come in and basically we're kind of piggybacking off that already built structure that Julia has done. Oh, so, okay. you know, for us to promise like physical copy of the Dreamcast, we don't have to go through all that effort. You know, mm-hmm. we simply do what we need to do in development and then at that point we can get him involved and you know, he'll help us out with that. So, nice. that's right I right. heads on that aspect definitely. and if you look at the lower the lower tier awards, which honestly I'm very happy with them because I feel like they add a lot to the game itself. you'll notice those are things like the soundtrack, the art book, the design document things that are fundamental to completing the game anyway you know so so those are things that have to be done regardless of Kickstarter or not so it 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 really is not taking time away from the game development itself for those rewards
1: mm-hmm mm-hmm uh, George, you had a question about the development.
0: Yeah, um, some people online have been very like picky about what kind of kick park, uh, projects, uh, you know, they they fund, and yeah. a lot of people have been kind of weary about you guys not delivering a game before this being your first game. And what do you guys think about those people that are questioning you, like if you guys will release the game? I, I, I like <laughs> I this
2: question. Should, I think they should go back and see that we've been on YouTube for seven years. Just trying to teach ourselves how to code C and C++ and, and trying to become game developers good enough to make this game. Yeah. One, of, one of the big advantages we have as well because of adventures in game development with our YouTube audience and with like Facebook and everything like that. If you go and look at like uh, Kickstarter's like Hyperlight Drifter or, or Heartforth or something like that, um, they don't have Facebook's linked with their accounts or it's very minimal amount of shares or they kind of came out of nowhere too, but we... Posted this Kickstarter with that seven-year like track record. I mean, we have already a built-up social media presence, and we were able to come in. And I think that's one thing that's kind of led to our success so far, being like uh, $50,000 in at this point so early, is that we've had that, that kind of track record. And, and another thing I know people like to bitch about is that seven-year figure. They like to use it against yeah. us. It's, instead yeah. of being able to use it and be like, oh, look how committed these guys are. Are you really gonna fault someone? I was 17 years old, I didn't know anything about programming or game developing when I started this vision. Are you really gonna say seven years is too long for me to have gone from there to where I am now when I was working a full-time job, going to graduate school, and I literally went from nothing from programming to creating my own multi-platform engine that runs on the Dreamcast and does all this impressive stuff. I mean, are you, are you really gonna bitch at me or hold that against me? Because I feel like that—that's a virtue that I'm kind of being crucified for in the scene. I mean, that's How one reason why. On. That's yeah. one reason why when we get that question a lot, we don't say seven years. We say like we really started in like 2011, 2012, because at that point we had uh, like more or less the engine that took it as it as it's seen today. Um, it took us forever to get to that point and at that point we really started developing like different areas and you know we're able to to focus more on like the overall game design like that instead like just the r&d and the engine and toolkit so then that that number seems to be a little bit more positively received which i mean it's not false so
3: there's also the fact that we have all done our own smaller projects on the side i mean like this isn't my first soundtrack this isn't my first album so it's not like i'm stepping into the game, and I've never put out a release before.
1: Right, right. It's not like you guys are coming at it and yeah. going, gosh, golly, what would it be like to make a video game? I know. Yeah. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> I also, I've
2: released demos to the Dreamcast scene, quite a few. I've released a lot of things for my masters, which have been relating to the field of uh, graphics and computing and computer architecture, which is basically, like, the foundation of our entire engine. Yeah, And one thing else, too, I mean, a lot of people can, I guess, give us the – this uh, flack for being ambitious, especially with like our stretch goal talking about like uh, MMO or cloud-based save storage. Um, you know, before we were actually doing this, you know, we were both network engineers. So, uh, I mean, there, there's that going for us. If so we do have that kind of background working with larger code bases and a larger overall product and things from our professions in that sense, before you know, we made the jump and, and quit those jobs and take this on full time. Mm. So and we, we have that kind of experience in working in teams and being agile that way anyway. So we're definitely not, I guess, new to this whole kind of concept. of what, Yeah. I mean, I
1: definitely don't get that vibe when speaking with you guys and seeing your work out there. I mean, like you said, you've all completed projects using your, your talent and you're just bringing it all together to yeah, actually exactly. create a project together. So, I mean, yes, you guys haven't created a game together to completion, but that's what you're doing right now. Right. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. um, and I mean, everyone has to start somewhere too, as a team, you know, you can't, you can't fault every single uh, indie developer saying, ah, well, you haven't made a game yet. you being like, their oh, that's... first project. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, first project uh, I don't know if I can trust your first project. You haven't really made a, a, a first project yet.
3: Like, <laughs> the engine yeah. and the toolkit are like... It's not like we're kickstarting and the engine isn't done and we don't have proof that we can actually make a game. Like, when we yes. launch a kickstarter we're going to be building levels. Like We're going right into the gameplay. It's not like we're starting from nowhere, and it's not, we don't know if we can even get to that point. Like, we're yeah. already there. We just have to start actually building the levels and stuff.
2: And that's one thing we tried to be really clear with on our Kickstarter page. We did a ton of research on other Kickstarters, and uh, obviously, you want to try to portray a product that is pretty much already complete, if you will, to where people have that kind of secure feeling, you know, pledging for you. But, I mean, we truly do. Like Connor said, we have the engine, we have the toolkit. I mean, there's going to be some modifications to them post Kickstarter that we just haven't had time for, it, but the software is not going to fundamentally change. At all. It's it's really funny because, like, if I were to release the engine and toolkit today, like, I'm pretty sure it would make a pretty big wave in, like, the gaming community. As just holy shit. A game maker. Multi-platform <laughs> RPG, like, pseudo 2D, 3D engine just comes out for Dreamcast, ooh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And, like, we could literally do that right now, you know? And yet people are saying, like, our, our project is, like, so far faster is not like complete enough it's just yeah. funny I, I don't think people really understand how game development or game creation works conversely they are. to that we do have those crazy fans like some of the green light comments i've been reading today too like they're the like diehard fans who's like oh we've been watching since 2000 i've been watching since 2009 these guys are like hard workers and then we get those kind of comments and i'm like that guy right there he knows yeah i know um, <laughs>
1: But, Those are the ones you reward secretly later yes, on.
2: Yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've you know, down that username, you know. And Maybe hey, that guy can start ES with, like, a little bit of extra, like, gold or something. <laughs> like, a little extra stat multiplier. Yeah. He gets it. He gets it. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs>
0: um, one part of the uh, awards uh, is an exclusive Zelda-inspired insp- Master Sword. I, the, who, who put that in, and how did Zelda influence your guys' game?
2: That was actually my idea to include that sword. I, I think I saw like some people criticizing us for that, which I think is pretty dumb. Like, Basically, the idea of that is, is to encourage you, obviously, to support our project, because once the Kickstarter is over, you don't have that sword, you know? But mm-hmm. Zelda has actually influenced quite a bit of the game. It's influenced, especially for me, I find a lot of influences from Zelda when it comes to the overworld, because something I, I truly believe, like traditional 2D RPGs suck ass at, is environmental interaction. Basically, like, the world that you're traveling through, and, and even games like Trigger you don't ever interact with them. You can't really examine them. But on the flip side, in Zelda, you can blow shit up. You can shit, set shit on fire. You can uh, break pots in someone's house. Right, you, there's, like, so many more ways you interact with the world of Hyrule than, like, a 2D RPG. And even though we're not the same genre as Zelda, like, that was something that really stuck with me, that I wanted our world to have for this game. So in that aspect, Zelda has influenced us.
1: Hmm. Did Shenmue influence you at all? <laughs> <laughs> Just, Just little it so little. <laughs>
3: bit.
1: It's influenced the actual development
2: process because, like, that's I literally would like take a break and play Shenmue sometimes, <laughs> like, creatively. Just look over and he's playing an arcade game in Shenmue anyway. Like, Dude, I, I was trying to show <laughs> Tyler Shenmue the other day. He had not seen it much, and I was like. Basically, I just ran through the entire storyline as fast as I could until I could run to the arcade and like start playing like Hang On and shit.
1: <laughs> You're like, yeah, 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 Dad, come on, die, all right. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I really want to yeah. play Hang On.
2: <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, one of the big things that we loved about Shenmue, and honestly, like Shenmue is an underappreciated gem. Like to this day, there the the level of detail that they put in, you know, you can open your yeah, dresser and pick up a goddamn object and like rotate your hand in 3D space, like, that's not even really done today in modern games. So, like, one thing that we really liked from Shenmue was the fact that the NPCs aren't, aren't just, like, retards walking back and forth like they are in, say, Pokemon, which I still love, but they're pretty much retarded. They either stand there or take two steps, walk back and forth. We wanted our NPCs to have depth, uh, actual, like, meaning and presence in their world, not just sit there and do the same thing all damn day. They actually go, go back home at night or have, like, some semblance of a job or purpose in their society. And I, I really feel like as part of Shenmue's immersion, that's something that they were able to achieve on the Dreamcast. Yeah, that time-lapse scene that we did for the Kickstarter video with all of the um, stalls and everything, that was not only just inspired by Shenmue too, but like uh, games like Fable when they first came out and first showed like that time system, you know, games like Skyrim too. like, that's where I drew influences from that, you know, and then going back and looking at this Dreamcast game, Shenmue too, like, so, wow! You know, I I didn't believe that any games had really done that you know, up until those points, and you know, it's, it's crazy. Hmm.
1: How how has I was curious how your team has evolved over the years? Have there been uh, previous members who have left yeah. but made an impact on the game, or are yeah, there, uh, some actually, of you who came on recently?
2: Yeah, it's uh, actually no one really has come on recently. I will say that like. This, this team, team that we generation. have right now has been together for about 2 years and basically like the majority of the game was developed actually all of the used game was developed by this team but we have had several people come and go over the years and it's it's just it's something that happens with an indie game especially as ambitious as this one for example, first of all, I also want to say the majority of the people who left, it's really funny because, like, they all want to come back now that we're making a thing on Kickstarter. It's just hilarious. Yeah, yeah that happens. <laughs> but, I mean, for example, when I was developing the engine, like, obviously, it's going to take a little bit of extra time to develop your own custom engine. Like, obviously, you have to you have to pay that, that technical debt up front to, to reap the benefits of having your own engine later on. But, like, a lot of the team members just could not see, like, the, the creative vision that we had, you know, for Alyssian Shadows to be like this, this next-gen game with this lighting engine. And for them, like, the amount of R&D that was going to, like, optimizing the rendering framework or whatever or making this toolkit that will allow us to make the game, you know, they couldn't see the big picture. And to them, oh, you're not progressing at all. They, they, didn't, they didn't feel like the game was moving forward when it was actually we were just trying to get to the point where we could make the game. They kind of they kind of left, and I think yeah. now they've realized that they've really screwed up now that they're seeing <laughs> with this technology we develop, we're now able to create, like, the world of Elysian Shadows as we wanted it. Well, another thing, too, is, like, uh, if you look now, most of our teams, actually, remote. both, um, Falcon and I are the only ones here in Alabama, except for Dan and David right now. But, I mean, we've got uh, team members all over the world, and, like, before a lot, a lot of the team members were actually here locally. You know, to start out with, and, you know, both either moved away from school or had other reasons for, for leaving the team besides that too. So um, now that it's, anyway, guess... it's kind
3: of weird that like the team when you're local wasn't as efficient as when the yeah. Team yeah. Well, the you,
2: you know, you know what though. Like even I've thought about it, like if you want to be like completely objectively analytical about it, it's because the team that's local. You know, those are just your buddies. Like they aren't necessarily like. The best people in the world the committed people in the world, but with our success on adventures and game development, like it gave us an opportunity no other team has ever had, and that we were able to attract like people all around the world who were like as driven you know and as good as we were at code to like throw their hats into it yep. and like it's really it's brought people like Connor and Patrick to us, who are just like. You know, one well, in a thousand. of The series before they were ever teamed up. Right, that we wouldn't have been able to to reach out to, you know, unless we were big on YouTube. So we really benefited so much from that, and that's why our team is so efficient now and so driven. Not to mention, I'm sure we've, like, scared everyone, everyone else who
1: isn't <laughs> as fucking close as we are on the team. Yeah, well, it's, it pays it to be yeah. driven and, and uh, I guess, imp- opinionated, too, to get things done. Uh, <laughs> um, looking at the game, though, how far into development would you guys say you are, like, percentage-wise?
2: I'm talking about, like, in-game content as far as, like, completion, and like
1: Start to, like, to your birth day of birth through to uh, when the game's going to be released.
2: I'd say, like, 10-15% of our assets and everything we've got right now is, is the beginning of the game. Know, but um, if you're
3: including the engine and stuff, then you'd probably put it, like, over 50. Yeah, uh, see, yeah, it, true, it depends on well.
2: what you're including. Yeah, engine and tools would put you, like... Way over something like fifty. Whereas if you're just counting like in-game assets and in-game content, as far as like levels that you'll be, you know, going through in the game, not as high. Well, another way to look at that percentage too is like it's not because we, I guess, don't have like the direction or the ideas. I mean, we've got that huge design doc that we work with, um, and it's just been up to this point like we've had to pull our artists. You know, for example, with this Kickstarter, instead of working on in-game assets or anything else or moving forward these areas, hey, we need banners, we need this, we need, you know, uh, mock-ups of this or that, like, we need good, good frames of this. Like, so, I mean, that put a huge halt on all of the progression we were doing. Not, like, not just as mentioned. we were getting the engine and everything to that point, too. Not to mention, to be able to make art for a game like ours takes a lot more uh, skill and a lot more time because it has to look good in 2D and 3D. So they've had to spend a lot more time on our art, and in the meantime, Tyler and I have both had to pay for art out of our pop, our own pockets. Yes, that too, to fund the game. So that's why there's not as much art asset progress as there has been engine and stuff. And that's hence that's really why we're on Kickstarter. That's the biggest reason, the biggest push forward. Yeah. If I mean, if we can get artists working full time, uh, being paid for, and I mean, obviously just work on just in-game content, I believe we can make our, our deadline of,
3: so, to actually, oh, like an to, uh, so actually, answer the so actually give an answer to the question. I w- I would say that we are 60% done. The kickstarters for the last 40% and the last 40% is going to be like the funnest part.
2: Really, it part, is. I'm
1: right? oh,
2: so excited.
3: It's we're at the best part. That's why we're doing the Kickstarter is because we want to just go for it. You know,
1: I guess you could kind of equate it with like movie making where you have to write the script. You exactly, have to yeah. do the, yeah. Actual, and, yeah and now yeah. you're like, you're at the film, you're going to get to the filming stage. And right. Exactly. exactly. It so it's weird. So, I don't, sorry,
0: sorry. Oh, I was going to say, so if you guys are saying you guys are like 10 to 15% done on your assets, that does mean that you guys already have an idea how the, the uh, the I guess the dungeons or whatever or the levels are going to be oh, like
2: absolutely course, yeah absolutely we've got these areas planned out I mean uh, the design doctor that we have has screenshots from like other games we were inspired from or even just like concept arts we found online from these different unique areas um, all seven of the main dungeons um, we've got a, a world so map that's drawn before the
3: before the Kickstarter there was even some levels like the Lauren town and Dan did some forest stuff that were just like play it well like you could actually just go for it so
2: i kind of broke a lot of that stuff in my process <laughs> um we did some fundamental engine changes right before the kickstarter to be able to make everything look the way we needed it to obviously uh, pushing forward as we always are but um yeah i mean we actually had a cohesive town the interiors for every one of the buildings in the, hall, and the museum the church forests uh, leading up to the caves and buildings it was there so.
0: I had a question about your guys's dynamic lighting engine. You guys have with the cameras, perspectives, and all that. Yeah. Um, what what system is the? Because you guys have some gifs and stuff on the on your guys's Kickstarter. Yeah. Uh, what 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 system do you guys capture that in, and how is that going to look like on the Dreamcast?
2: That gif was captured on the PC, but it should actually no, it won't look the same on the Ouya. That, that was captured from the PC. The Dreamcast, other than the GIF compression, which I hope people notice, that's why the yeah, light, that's the light does. That was, was actually GIF compression. The Dreamcast should, in theory, look like that, only it will not be able to do the, the shadowing on a per-pixel basis. It will be on a per-vertex uh, basis.
0: And that's going to be like the biggest difference between the, the, the PC version, I guess, and the, the Dreamcast version, right?
2: That's our hope. That's, that's our really hope. hope. See, there's a lot of other things we're doing, like uh, bump mapping. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but the Dreamcast yeah. was the first console to ever be able to do that. Only there was one game that ever used it, and it was Shenmue. It's for like,
0: like,
2: no, no, it, was it wasn't. It was, a, it was for like one frame. It was. It was a corny. And that, yeah, it was a penny. And that's the only time they ever used it. So, like, this is technology that's been in the Dreamcast, you know, but its demise was so early that it wasn't even really mainstream in 3D graphics. We have the opportunity to try to tap into that power that's never been used on the Dreamcast, you know. So, there's this risk, you know, that maybe it's not as developed as we thought it was, or it's not going to have the performance we thought it was, which hopefully that's not the case. But, you know, there's also the chance that we could be, you know, like the first Dreamcast game that's ever been able to pull off lighting effects like this. And the nice thing with that, too, a lot of the screenshots you're seeing, I mean, we have, like, ambient occlusion for, like, helping the shadows look more pronounced and everything, and uh, that's right now baked into the normal map. So if that can be ran on the Dreamcast uh, you know, in a way that uh, would actually be efficient, and look really well. I mean, we'll also have, like, things like that we could throw in uh, along with that the normal maps. So
0: that one of the one of the other questions was uh, you guys have stretch goals for dlc support uh, user created content multi language and cloud saving
2: oh uh, yeah call us too ambitious i'm ready for this one.
0: now <laughs> i to say what, what kind of stuff is that i mean what kind of what of those stretch goals are going to make it into the dreamcast version
1: i mean obviously like, not cloud saving so
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, well, no 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 why like i don't understand the dreamcast scene like seems to have this opinion that like we don't know what we're talking about, but like I'm this is like what I do for a living and like I'm getting a master's degree in this. The Dreamcast has a freaking modem. It has a broadband adapter. You can burn swap discs. There's there's the coder's cable. The S D you have the SD card. Why the hell could it not support DLC? I don't I don't understand why that is like us being so outrageous, you know what I'm saying? Like, quite a few people have called us
0: out on that. Man. Uh, no, I, uh, I think that you could support DLC, but I think it's going to be very yeah, hard.
2: Absolutely, to do because... yeah. Well, I mean, technically, it is very possible that if, like, especially with the Elysian Shadows online, it's very possible it has a broadband adapter, the Chaos Homebrew library has an IP stack. It is very possible that A, it could go online, and B, you can grab levels from online. Yeah, I was talking I mean, with Falco the other day too. I mean, uh, even uh, users that don't have a broadband adapter, there's uh, a very good way that we could bring those analog modems online on somebody's personal network too. Uh, I yeah.
0: was just think, uh, I was just thinking like, you would you guys ever plan doing DLC disc where like it would be like another episode expansion kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. Guys-
2: yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's that's probably like would be the easiest way on the Dreamcast would be to release it episodically as, like, a separate disc to boot. But at the same time, like, especially for the user-created content, you could technically burn your own disc and put, like, whatever contents, yeah. you know, on your Dreamcast.
0: Yeah. And uh, what about uh, multi-language? I don't know how big your guys' game is going to be in the end.
2: We've had quite a few people ask us that on Steam Greenlight and stuff, too. Uh, Tulio paid uh, to have his his game um uh, translating and all that uh, quite a few different languages you know, and that's, that's, that's to those
3: resources. Yeah, before. that's
2: really a, a duty of the publisher. Thulia's offered to help uh, lend support with that and help let us use his back and that's Watermelon's got the hook for that. that. Lego is huge in South America. Um, you know, so obviously that would be really beneficial for us to, to
3: translate that for like a Dreamcast. And the South Americanese? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Plus, I can, plus I know a bit of French and Spanish. So I no. You're no, no, not <laughs> translating <laughs> No. I was just going to say that. I don't want any translator like trolling and putting in like the most ridiculous. Uh,
2: unless I can translate it to Spanish based on what I know from Samba de Amigo.
0: <laughs> which
2: is quite a bit.
0: You guys should just. You guys should just do a drunk... Uh, translation for like a, an extra language where everything's <laughs> wrong.
3: <laughs> yeah, there was a Harvest Moon hack that had like it was like all like gangster slang or something. That was pretty sweet.
1: That's
2: awesome. <laughs> Dude, that, there you I go. Wow. Don't like that. That's, Once your character gets drunk enough in the game, like all of the dialogue just turns to slang. <laughs>
1: That'd be great. You could do like a Grand Theft Shadows
2: parallel <laughs> uh, park with two people. But... Yeah,
1: there you go. Uh, So actually, speaking of watermelon, I'll I'll skip ahead to a question we had. Um, Can you tell us more about your collaboration uh, in detail? Uh, And uh, (laughs) I guess you already kind of answered. Oh, and the other question I had, and this is probably more of a watermelon question for them, but with the, the PAL copies, they have very distinct cases. Are they looking yeah. to make special cases? Absolutely. I've Absolutely. seen it. That's Who why we show
2: with them for a publisher. They're they very, are, very detailed. They, they are actually going out and they're generating a mold, like creating it themselves that is completely, like, accurate to the PAL case. I've seen it. It's, it's impressive. It really is. Like, what their dedication to authenticity is pretty – very impressive. That's First why, that's why like, they're our publisher. That's why we're like, Damn. You know, Tulio came out, and he brought—I'm not sure. Have you guys seen the case for Pierce Solar uh, for the Mega Drive or Genesis?
1: I have it. yeah. It,
2: it's yeah. incredible, man. It really is. When he brought it out, like, he, he gave us both copies. He came to visit us, uh, you know, before the Kickstarter, check how we were doing, kind of give us advice. He's, he's really a, a, he's he's a very good friend of ours and a mentor. He brought it out, man. When I saw a game case, like, I, I didn't even want to fucking open it because the case itself— And the tape around it had like watermelon embroidery, like it was just the the work of art.
1: Yeah, they do a beautiful job. Yeah, I, I did a um, comparison video of that in the original Genesis cases, and they even got the texture right. You know, on yes, the, the yes. slipcover basket. It makes sense. No, right. I didn't even notice that. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I know. I,
2: I, I, it's touching how much how much love and tender like, care he puts into that kind of stuff. Like, I mean, yeah, he even had these screws for the back of the, the Sega Genesis cartridge manufactured because he wanted them to be as similar as possible. He didn't want yeah. to have just some random screws on I mean. so they actually match the the original screws that were in the back.
1: Yeah, that's wild. But he, you know, just with the Dreamcast ones, I know the, the big thing with a lot of the indie publishers, even if they're like a German company, they'll make a Japanese designed case to the point where they'll like translate it into the Japanese. And that kind of annoys me just because I love the Japanese design. But I want to read about the game. And I know this isn't like, especially with you guys. You guys aren't Japanese, so can we expect right. to see English in the Japanese release? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm,
2: I'm almost positive that is the plan. That, that the plan. might be more of a watermelon question, but no, I'm almost positive that just, you know, the case itself is not... I think that all of the, the copies of the game will be have all the language, but, languages, but I also think the Japanese-style case... Still yes. has English text. But I, I you need to confirm that just in case.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Pure Solar is going to have that, so yeah. I was just curious. I mean I yeah, don't want to like hate on probably, Japanese. But. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. You can probably assume that we'll have what Pure Solar has. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh that's cool. Though then both games will definitely look awesome on a shelf next to each other. Yeah, I know. I can't wait. Um, and another stretch goal, uh, Dreamcast related, is the monster training mini game yes. app on iOS and Android app, and that's like a game in of itself. Unless.
2: Tell me and tell me that's not an awesome idea.
1: That's awesome. Do you? I mean, have you oh, are you? Hey, oh,
2: oh, were you going you to question the ambition of it? <laughs>
1: no, 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 I was going to ask uh, how far you are, and just like because I know since it's a stretch goal, I'd assume you haven't like. Oh. The really belief about it was when
2: we started first discussing that idea of, of doing that. Um, we're like, okay, how much more effort would this be? Working new places, my special listing, everything like that. And we decided very quickly that what we it, we got to come up with the monster stats already. We'd have to already come up with like all their attack names, I mean everything you can imagine that way.
0: The so, fundamentals are already
2: in the engine. Just for that. like obviously, because we have to it into create the monsters, it, it just a, a wrapped up little mini game like that would not be difficult at all. Um, it's not that much more overhead, and we wanted to do something incredibly special for the VMU anyway. I mean, regardless of hitting that stretch goal, we will incorporate it. But another thing, people—people, really people, really people another thing people are like overlooking because they think like we're dumb and we're just overly really ambitious and we don't know what we're talking about, which is funny—is the fact. So we were going to make a VMU minigame anyway. Yeah. So for the iPhone and uh, Android app, we were actually going to bundle it with a VMU emulator. So we're not even making a separate app. It's it is like literally you're playing the VMU uh, version of the game to where it's emulated. and you're getting not only are you getting like the authentic VMU experience on your uh, phone, but I mean it's also less
1: work on us, and it, it's for that reason because we had thought that through. Now, would this VMU emulator would would uh, fans be able to put other VMU games on it? Yeah, absolutely. I I would say so. But I'm not saying that's within the scope of this project, but
2: you would assume, yeah, I would easily assume that we would release it as like a standalone VMU thing. Not to mention, I don't know that... I don't think we could release it with like Sonic Chow Garden or anything like that on it. No, you would no, have to go no, down. Download, download that yourself. You would have to figure out how to do that. But I mean, it's entirely possible because yeah. the exact same app would be playing on the right. phone would be yeah, on so. VMU.
1: That'd be very cool. Yeah, I used to make VMU animations as a kid. So yeah, dude, VMU you, animator. Were you at
2: Boyoka or Boyoka? Yeah,
1: yeah, I was. I yeah, think. Yeah, dude, dude, that was awesome. Yeah, what my name was on there, but I did one of oh, Jet Set I did one of uh, Eggman blimp exploding. <laughs> so, yeah, there's some good we, stuff. Yeah, there.
2: man, we, we were talking about that the other day. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and um, – um,
0: Oh, go ahead. I was going to ask your your question. Yeah, yeah, go for it. I was going to ask a question. Barry, is that all right? Yeah, do it. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, if you guys are going to have a, the multiplayer thing, you know, when you guys connect the two VMUs.
2: Oh, man, I want to do that so much. That would be so freaking Did awesome. they ever do that in any game, any, mm-hmm. uh, for the Dreamcast?
0: Chow- I never, I've never used it myself, but I I used to do that so I could swap data with friends. But that's the only thing I've used before. I think
1: and that's Chow right. in the second cell garden. I you might- could actually link them and they played together or, or they fought. Oh, I th- I think so. That I have is- to look that I, up. Now. Yeah,
2: I don't I don't remember if it actually did that or not. Like. I remember thinking, like, as a developer, like, man, why didn't they ever make games where you could, like, connect them and fight together like that? You know, I, I knew you could transfer save like files. Like Timagotchi
0: or whatever? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the
2: Digimon? Yeah, that, that was something that, like, I really wanted to try to do. I don't know if there is some technical reason they couldn't do it, but I, I could have sworn I couldn't think of a, a game where they had actually done it on a commercial game, but hey, give me some stretch goal and we'll find out. Yeah, we'll find out. We would definitely like to do that, you know. But I'm not. I'm honestly, I don't know like the VMU hardware enough to say like exactly how feasible that is.
1: Yeah, I can. I can tell you that by connecting two VMUs, you can have your chows breed. Apparently. Huh.
0: What does that even mean? Uh, I, don't don't know. Know. <laughs> I know, right?
1: <laughs> <Where>? <laughs> So maybe we can have monster breeding. That's interesting. Oh, well, if
2: there's one maybe person who can figure out, it would be Falcons. We need to go. We need to go bust out the Chow Garden, dude, and look at it. And, uh, do some uh, research. <laughs> Let me go get my Dreamcast. On. I haven't checked on the Chow in like years, man. <laughs> They're probably uh, all dead. Yep. Yeah,
1: okay. <laughs> <It's a laughs> garden full of skeletons. <laughs> That's awesome. What was that, George?
0: I didn't have anything to say. What? It's your question. Yeah. I thought I
1: interrupted you. You're you going to go on. No, 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 I forgot my question I was gonna ask now. Um Well oh boy, I mean we ran through our questions, but um George, did you have any other questions for the guy? I was gonna
0: ask him uh, what VMU mini games inspired him to try to make a VMU minigame. Oh that's nice. I don't know. Almost
2: like every Game Boy game really is trying to uh, I think if there's any big one that inspired me I want to wanna do it. You know, like uh, my Chow Garden was probably the best like I, I think the I think like for yeah for me it's a mixture of like remembering how fucking cool it was to like bring my VMU to school like with my Chow Garden and be like fuck you teacher and like play under the desk. We used to play and, magic like, with my VMU. How much I like <laughs> Pokemon? Like I think between that and like Chow Garden, I'm like man, I really want to do something. And like yeah. I, I, I don't feel like as as a developer we can release something like trying to be like this epic really cool game with like the full like. Dreamcast feels and experience, you know, without supporting something on the VMU. So, I don't know, that, that's kind of I'm always been the, the back of my mind. mind. And, then, and then we started, you know, thinking about, like, what we could do with it, and, like, this whole Monsters thing came up, and I was and all the other peripherals, too. Oh, I like, was just like, mm-hmm. yes! Yeah, We're I guess,
1: you know,
3: you're missing out just... on the absolute best v- VMU thing, though, was in Resident oh, Evil, and it had, like, the fine thing going on. Oh, out. I love that! It <laughs> was the best. It. <laughs> Dude, I know, like, on the
2: Dreamcast, you don't even have to pause to check. Yeah. I love it.
1: Can we expect uh, HDMI
2: support? HDMI support? Or uh, VGA out? I mean. Oh yeah, VGA. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I go through VGA. That's already right there. Wide I was screen. like, I was like, HDMI. Holy shit! Are we developing hardware now? Do it. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's like that's already there. Actually, when I develop, I don't even have a, a TV in my like office studio area. It's just a Dreamcast on VGA. So. Cool, oh, cool. And how about the jump pack? Yep, we should be able to support that. Okay, how I, I used microphone. Screw, I used to screw with that when I was like yeah, a we, we talked about using the microphone possibly for either online reasons which is crazy or uh, interactive yeah, I, I, I don't know about online but yeah. yeah, yeah. The fishing pole the maracas, all.
1: I was going to say yeah, I mean is there any chance that there could be secret mini games involving where it's like plug the fishing rod in, play the fishing uh, Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah. We we've talked about that and we really want to do that. You know, I can't promise that we'll do that. But we have ideas for mini-games. You know, like Zelda has their little fishing game that, you know, sucks ass. And it's mobile, too, because of the excel and everything. But so the other totally versions of the game aren't necessarily missing out on. Also, for everyone who's about to hate on us for being, like, overly ambitious, once again, I grew up coding for the Dreamcast and checking out how all these peripherals work. And they literally map to the same buttons as, like, the standard controller. Oh, so yeah. like like, on the maracas, one maraca is the left analog stick input, and then one is the right analog stick, which no controller used, but it was still there on the Maple bus.
1: So, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, George and I did a uh, live stream of Jet Set Radio, and I just went through all the accessories, and I played Jet Set Radio with the maracas. I played with oh, the fishing dude, controller. Oh, dude, that's awesome. So, I, mean, yeah. you, I mean, obviously, it doesn't work that well. Right. But you, yeah, yeah,
2: you can see to where. I mean, it's not – you're not having to, like – do anything fundamentally different the heart it's mapped to the same buttons so i mean
1: it's it's those little things even like you're saying they're really they're just mapped to the same buttons but those little things if you can get them in there it just uh it it means a lot to uh, indie dreamcast fans I and i mean you know and not not that your goal is to like be newsed on sites but you know it's like if someone were to hear that an indie game is supporting all these controllers it might just increase the awareness even more. So no, I don't absolutely. Know. Oh, maybe
0: that's good. Maybe good. So one of the questions yeah. I have yeah, was maybe that'll get us on Kitaku. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe I was gonna say one of the questions is uh, when the VMU is plugged in and you're playing the game, uh, are you guys gonna do anything special with the VMU? Yes. We've already yeah, talked we just we don't, know, about we that? Just don't know
2: exactly what, yes, but like that's a couple of ideas. revisiting and discussing. We were actually talking about that the other night when I got ducks out when it came in the mail and I started playing it like that that came up again we're we're not sure what exactly yet but absolutely it's going to be something and we really like like in resident evil where it actually like you know you look down something fine instead of having to go to a pause menu like wow that's genuinely useful we want something like that you know with utility to go on it instead of something like oh it's just flashing like a an icon in skies of arcadia or something i was just
3: gonna say being the survival horror fan that if anything i will be yelling at them to put the little fine thing
1: (laughs) (laughs) well there you go like worst case it will be that (laughs) yeah yeah well you um just talking about the the light and dark as uh gameplay um so would there be kind of like a resident evil kind of vibe in the darker areas oh,
2: absolutely yeah
1: can. look yeah. at connor smiling over there yeah you're just grinning ear to ear yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah but that's something that like we've, we've kind of been mentioning a lot lately and it's kind of like come out of i don't want to say it's come out of nowhere but it's something we never had originally planned for in the game like it wasn't in the design document or anything but when we started getting these dynamic lights in and especially with connor being as into survival horror as he is like We've kind of been able to notice, like, oh, wow, we can use these lights to create, like, emotional tension in a way that, like, traditional 2D games just could see. never do, you know, because they don't have dynamic lighting. And from we we always wanted, like, the ruins to have, like, these dark vibes to be kind of creepy, you know. Like, once we saw that, like, we're like, oh, I, I really like what that's still. Oh, yeah. So so creatively, like, that was kind of, I don't know, that was kind of new, and it's it's something that kind of arose organically that we, we just kind of rolled with it because we liked it. We liked the way it felt.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, like when I joined, it wasn't part of the project really, but I started seeing these lights and I was like, can you give me a flashlight and like, could I do this? And then once I started doing that, I sent them like some of my old survival horror based music that I made. And I was like, we can't not do this. No, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we, we, we were really talking about, about using duty. lights.
2: Uh, you know, we can, the different specular maps and materials in the game, too. You know, we could have, like, a, almost like a UV light where there's a blood trail. You can only see while, like, that light is shining on it. You. you take the light away and it's just go, like back to normal ground. So you could have, like, bloody footprints you'd have to follow or something crazy like that. And... Uh, as we were doing all this Kickstarter stuff, and then you know, we finally got uh, like the uh, Pixel Perfect Shadows book, and Connor was playing around with a bunch of different scenes and everything else. And, like everything he was saying, us, I was like, "This is terrifying." I love it. Like that's fantastic. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it's pretty awesome.
1: What about um, did Limbo play any part in? Uh... Yes, I, for me, I, I've
2: played Limbo. I love Limbo. I love the the just ambient kind of darkness and like isolation yeah. you get with that. And I, Dude, like, I have, what's Limbo? Yeah, this, <laughs> I'll show it to you. It's Shit, I probably shouldn't have said that on a live stream. I don't, I don't know what that is. I just hole,
1: and you're like going under it. No. Um. Yeah, because I just I just think when I think of RPGs, I'm never like thinking, oh, this game's going to be scary. I don't want to play this at night. But um, I mean. <laughs>
2: I know, right? I, yeah.
1: If you guys are looking to tap into that, and I mean like that's what uh, Limbo did to me was when I got it, I was like, well, there's no I'm way that this stupid game gonna scare me.
2: Oh god, yeah, the, food, really? like, the spider and, and the pipes limbo and, and limbo did
1: like. it. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, it just—I was surprised by how such a like a flat, two-dimensional game can actually be scary. Yeah, I always thought that nice. was just. I, I want to check of, that out. I like that. Yeah. That's
3: cool. I actually, I, it, I, got guys, my... I actually told the guys on the team that I was sleeping. Uh, it was a few months before we started doing the Kickstarter, and I had this dream that I was I was Julian and I'm <laughs> playing in the thing, and I open a chest. And I have a fear of spiders, so it you know it's not it doesn't help. But you open the chest like you think you're going to get an item, and then this spider leg just starts crawling out, and then my survival horror music starts playing, and I literally just woke up screaming. And I was like, "We, we can do this. <laughs> and this that's right. what it Yeah, yeah. So it can be done.
1: Well, if <laughs> you don't put screamers in the game, I think it, that would be pretty awesome. <laughs>
0: Oh, I was going to ask about gear, you know, these kind of games. Are you guys going to be focused on gear or be focused on... I mean, like, when you get loot in some of these games, they just feel like, oh, it's the same piece, but, like plus three strength, like, I, how are you guys doing this?
2: I'm, I'm inspired by the classic, like, turn-based games like the Final Fantasies and stuff like that that, that aren't as crazy as, like, I don't know, like, Diablo three where, like, you just are showered in items and they're meaningless and the simple, like, little tiny statues and stuff like that. You know, I, I love, like, unique accessories that do something different than the rest of them. Either, like,
3: I'd Super like... Mario RPG has a lot of yeah. that.
2: Yeah, yeah, oh, uh, yeah especially I love, unique I and, uh, I played uh, actually like World of Warcraft for a long time, more than I care to admit on air. Um, and <laughs> like watching how they redesigned all their items constantly, and how like just so much of it like felt meaningless. You know, I, I'm really would love to to create a an item based system that like you know, these different swords or weapons or pieces of armor bring with them components of like um, like not just combat stuff, but, like, visually, too, to where, like, I mean, you get this sword and it has, like, this really cool, like, fire ability and stuff with it, I mean, it's just, it adds, like, that extra bit of flair and personality to the game, um, to where, yes, it, I guess, to answer your question, it will be gear-focused, but I don't want this, like, cookie-cutter, or here, you got the new sword, that's plus three more strength, and it looks the same, you know, like, absolutely not, that's, I'm wasting my time into this, what it feels like to me at that point.
0: Um, how are you guys planning on uh, doing dialogue? Like, are you guys gonna do like a dialogue tree? Are you guys gonna do a set story where you just go through the story and you don't have a choice in dialogue, or how are you guys gonna handle that?
2: Um, for the characters, uh, one of the things that, like, first of all, Julian plays more or less as the silent protagonist, um, to where you are kind of experiencing his story throughout the game, but you're really seeing your party's reactions and the rest of the world and things like that. So for the main story arc, it, it will be linear in the sense that there is, you know, a beginning, a set path, and an end. But we wanted to have just tons of side quests, not just for um, like the party members. We wanted to be able to expand uh, your relationship with the party members, and like, say, you like this one character, you could do extra stuff with them and increase your friendliness, which may very well change dialogue at certain points. It's not going to alter the output of the game, but like this character may speak up more during a certain cutscene, you know, because you become that much more friendly with them. Um, but also, like, sub-quests and extra stuff for, like, areas, too. I mean, you go to, like, a new area, and not only are you unlocking, say, like, okay, the, the new weapons vendor for that area, but, like, you now have, like, a bunch of extra side quests where you can really build on the lore of the area, the people that live there, things like that, too. So, I mean, we, we've talked about the main story of the game being about three hours, mm. but with all the extra side quests and everything else, there's going to be a ton more for, 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 like, that true RPG fan, I feel, it's really sink to teeth into. Mm.
1: And uh, I know they're completely different teams and all, but uh, with uh, Pure Solar, are there any plans of having maybe like an Easter egg from that game in this? Oh! Oh! Oh, characters oh, from that
2: game? oh! Why would we do that? Why, I don't, why, why would be crazy. that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> just asking, just put if the idea is not out there. Totally, tell I was going to watch this and be
2: like, oh, what the hell are they doing? <laughs> what are they doing? <laughs> we would
3: never
1: do that. No, of course not.
3: But we're all huge fans of cameos and, and secrets. Okay. Like, if there's about not a, a wall things. somewhere that says red rum on it or something, like, I would be upset, you know, like that. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. We already talked uh, about how, a ton of different pop culture uh, influences and Easter eggs, and I, I really enjoy the feeling when playing a game that, like, you see something like that happen, and, and or, like, you see, like, a character that resembles someone else, and you're like, I wonder if they meant to do that. Or, like, if it's a strong enough thing, you're like, I really, I see what they did there. You know, mm-hmm.
1: that, Almost kind of face palms you just like, geez. <laughs> <And> it's, <laughs> it's, awesome. it's, it's kind of different, too, because you don't see a lot of Western-developed RPGs in this style. So, like, when I was playing Pure Solar, I would see, like, dialogue or things being mentioned that didn't seem Japanese at all. And then I had yeah, to remind yeah. myself, this is not a Japanese RPG. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, funny because
2: yeah. we've cool. been having kind of like that same internal dialogue, or at least I have with myself. I'm like, you know... Like, you know, we look kind of jrpg you know, we're, we're very influenced by Japanese RPGs, but, like, at the same time, I really feel like our storyline and a lot of our creative direction is very Western, you know? It's like, like, our, like our combat and everything, too. Right. It, it, really really it kind of has, like, it. this this weird, like, mixture of both, you know, that yeah. it's, it's hard to put a label on us. It's definitely, you know, when we started, I think we were more Japanese RPG-ish than we are now. I really think that, especially especially our storyline is very Westernized. I feel like.
3: Mm-hmm. But it's also just to clarify, because at least from the world, the survival horror world I come from, but when you say Japanese and you say Western, Japanese is like creepy and Western is like Saw and Hostile times a thousand. So when we say yeah. Western, we mean like it's, it's not like it's shallow and, and Hollywood,
2: just to yeah, make yeah. sure people know that obviously. All right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we do have because that. Because
3: that's man. what I think when I hear it because of the survival horror background just making sure people know it's going to have <laughs> a lot of depth yeah. and it's not shallow and stuff.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, from my perspective, it's more like a lot of things get lost in translation because you're dealing with a team, you know, who are developing for a very different kind of culture. Um,
2: Right, right. And yeah, and they're probably just given a script, you know, to translate. They don't necessarily know the designer's true intentions with the dialogue, you know? Yeah. Right.
1: Like, a lot of the old RPGs, you'll you'll always expect that if you see an old woman or an old man, you're always going to be very nice to them. You know, you're going to be respectful yeah. to your elders, and you're going to love your mom and dad. And, I mean, if you I, – I, I think it would actually kind of surprise me if I saw a uh, – American or European developed JRPG where the kid was just a total snot and like kicked an old man over. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's these things that kind of like yeah. take not take you out of the game, but the make, mind. Jul- make Julian a dick. Yeah, yeah. It's just... <laughs> It's kind of refreshing, at least from what I've played in Pure Solar, to see the characters not follow those general traits that you find in. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I agree too. It's it's funny. We've we've never like had the opportunity to completely be Pure Solar all the way through because the game is so goddamn rare for Genesis that yeah. like yeah. we we started playing it as a team like together, especially with man how hard we've been working for the Kickstarter. Be up for days, sleep twenty hours like at night to kind of wind down. We've been like as a team kind of playing through Pure Solar and it's. That's one of the things we noticed, too, as we were doing that. So, it, And it's kind of cool, you know, like our, our, you know, kind of our mentor company and our, our publisher being able to like – Play through their original RPG, like yeah, that. We, we felt we really kind of share what ideas, far, you know, and, t- and discuss things like
1: that. It's really kind of cool. Now, can we expect to see some of your guys, like you're just speaking with you now, your personality coming through the game, or is it just absolutely gonna... man? Okay. <laughs>
2: and especially, especially like the older I get, like I'm realizing that like uh, there's yeah, more of like myself in this game than like I almost care to admit. There's more of like I don't know, like I guess. You know, artistically, you you always want to, like, make an emotional connection with an audience. That's what art is. But, like, I really feel like I've put a lot of myself into at least my aspect. I, I'm sure the rest of the guys feel the same exactly. way. And, like, we're looking to make, like, that same emotional connection with the audience there. Well, we're really giving everything that's our new So Yeah, and we like semi-autobiographical. You know, there's, like, a portion of us in it. So, like, I don't know. it's it's, it's just weird it's weird
3: i'm also a huge fan of games where like if you have monsters and stuff it's not just monsters but there's like a backstory and you know like like i don't know if anybody knows why pyramid head exists in the game or whatever but like when you put your own backstory into it and the design of the monster is something personal to you instead of it just being like oh it's a demon oh no but if it actually like all the stuff that we put in is like personal Yes, yeah. it's, it's not just just oh that would look cool. Yeah.
1: Right, it's really it's really not. Well, that's great to hear then, because that means you wouldn't be just be going uh, paint by numbers. <laughs> I would like to buy a sword, of course. Go, stay away no. from.
2: <laughs> no, no, that's absolutely not. I feel like we have a very unconventional storyline, and one of the things like I, I think we as writers want is we want people to go like when they're playing ES like holy shit like this 2D game has a storyline this fucking like like deep and relevant like that's what i want like well, what the fuck like i kind of want you to be like taken aback by like how you know how how deep and engaging the storyline actually is for for you know 2d rpgs aren't necessarily like known for that much as good as they are you know final fantasy 6 was a great game but i don't i don't feel like the the level of emotion and realism that the characters were able to portray was the same as like ff9
1: right Right, so it's it's inspired to a point. You're not going to expect, like, retro cheesiness with, like, the dialogue. So no. Much as, no. As more like the apples look funny, you know,
3: right. or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Like, well, it would be nice if you went into a mansion and you went, what is this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a mansion. <laughs> uh,
0: I was going to ask, uh, you said that you guys had a lot of uh, side quests. Yes. Uh, what kind of side quests are we looking at? Are we looking like, kill 10 10- you know rabbits world of warcraft stuff or are no, we like in-depth side quests
2: actually in-depth side quests i'm a, I'm a fan of like kind of quest chains to it when you walk up to somebody and they're like oh it's not like a, a billboard like what you said with like go kill 10 boars and bring me their livers you know like yeah, uh, you go in like a side quest it. with somebody and like you you could actually kind of continue on that so you get to a point with like that, that temporary character like that's the nice thing about our, our party system, too, is it's not just do we have, like, our core main characters. We can easily add, say, like, uh, a weapon shop vendor or something to your party, and you can go on a quest with him for a, a short amount of time, and you can join your party and you know, interact in combat and things like that without too much more overhead. So, you know, we can could, we could bring in these kind of temporary cast members and, and things like that, and you can do several different key sequences with them. So I, I feel like that will be a lot more meaningful to people. And, and especially as a writer, like, side quests like that give you a lot more freedom And that, like, let's say you have, like, five party members, you know, maybe maybe the player only identifies with the subset of them. You know, maybe he doesn't give a shit about, like, two gameplay hours of, like, backstory of these other characters. It really gives you an opportunity to let the character or, or the player decide, you know, like, which ones they're more invested in, which which story arcs are worth their time pursuing without having to force it down the throat of the other ones, you know? And also without, like, fundamentally changing the main story arc. Yes. So it's it's kind of nice in that aspect. It, it gives you added flexibility as a writer.
3: Did any of you guys play black and white on the PC? Yes. So you, like, know, you know,
2: it almost came out on the Dreamcast. It almost came out on the—yeah, it was canceled. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah.
3: But, yeah. so like, when you do the side quests and you get, like, a spell that you wouldn't otherwise get, it enriches the rest of the game because you put in that effort and then you have this new option to you. Whereas if you just rush through the game, you get A to B, but you don't get any of the extra right. stuff. Right, really right. And, and that's,
2: that's kind of how—yeah. <laughs> <Because laughs> I like that
0: how many unlockable characters can you have during the game? Like, do you have like a, you can only have five unlockable and switch between them, or can you have like 50 characters unlocked and then you can switch between, you know,
2: we had like kind of set personalities. We really wanted to make sure that we portrayed in the game, the very, very strong personas, um, since the main character is kind of silent. Um, I think we sell it around seven or eight, um, uh, they're all, like kind of archetypes that way. Um, the uh, other characters, like those temporary ones we were talking about, wouldn't necessarily be ones that you would, at any given point, be able to have in your party other than, like, as a guest. Um, there wouldn't be someone that you would be able to, say, take to the final end boss or something like that. And they would what? be, for, like, the area that they're in. One thing we're not, I don't know if you guys have ever played Chrono Cross. Like, it's it's an amazing game, but there are so many goddamn playable characters. There's, like, 40 or something that everyone has to be so shallow and watered down that yeah. none of them really are likable or relatable or have like any meaningful backstory. So that's one thing Elysian Shadows* isn't. You know, like we have we have characters that we've specifically like developed and endowed with like these personality traits that interact with other characters. They exactly. yeah, have a chart of, of of character interactions for the party. How this one will interact with this one, right? Because yeah, I feel really, like. There's a lot more depth in our characters, and that's something that we would rather have as like more deep, meaningful characters than just a whole shit ton of potentially playable characters that you don't really care about.
0: Oh, I agree. I was going to say, uh, when you uh, played Chrono Cross, were you a little disappointed at thinking it was going to be like Chrono Trigger? I was, man. Honestly, I was. I was too, and I told my friend, and he's like, you're a fucking – you're not a real fan, and I'm I like
2: – I get the same thing. I'm like, what the hell, man? It's nothing like Trigger. <laughs>
0: Agreed, 100%. I usually get shit for it all the time. I don't care. I also got shit for not liking Final Fantasy VII, so.
2: Ooh, I hate Final Fantasy VII. Out of all the Final Fantasies, that's like, oh, my God. I play Legends <laughs> of Dragoon instead and just pretend like it doesn't exist.
0: There you go. <laughs> hey,
2: I, I like FF7 for everyone who's like, I'm not buying ES because he doesn't like FF7. <laughs> hey, hey, but i <laughs> I just, no, eight, 8 and 9 or amazing. I just like 9 better, yeah. I like okay. 7, yeah. 8 and 9 are amazing. <laughs>
1: Uh, I guess if we had one final question, uh, what is the? Do you guys have a projected uh, release date? I know it's early to ask that, but um, yeah,
2: well, is... uh, we put it we put on the Kickstarter. We've been saying December twenty fifteen. Uh, you know, I wish we could put a year up because I feel like maybe that would make us. Well, I don't know that it would make us look better, but I think people like to see about a year turnaround on Kickstarter. But nope, we are not no no. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to screw people over, you know, and have delays, which is especially what Kickstarter is known for right now, so we put a year and a half.
1: Right, right. And are there certain, um, I guess, stretch goal gifts that you think would be available before the game releases?
2: Um, yes, I do. I, I'd have to, like, go through the list to, you know, know exactly which ones, but, like, a lot of them, like, as some of the, especially some of the digital things are absolutely, should be available before then.
1: And how about uh, with updates, too? Are you guys going to keep up on those? Uh yeah, people
2: exactly. So, like, there's there's a few things. I don't know if you guys know of our Adventures in Game Development series. Yes, I do. So that that's one thing that, like, we really want to keep doing is we, like, that's why we have a really dedicated fan base is we show, like, every freaking aspect of our game development from, like, dude, I haven't slept for days, you know, to, like, here's this new, like, uh, here are these new sprites or this new boss. You know, you see all of it. And, like, we feel like being real and being open with the audience like that is kind of why, like, We've been successful, as successful as we are now. And it's really weird. If you look at our Kickstarter, the average contribution is something of about as close to $100, which is ridiculous for a Kickstarter. It is. We we don't have, like, the the big media coverage from, like, the game of Sutras and stuff. But what we have is is people who've seen us developing this game for so long, and, and they've seen, like, what we've put into it. And, you know, they can actually see how dedicated we are, which gives them complete faith, you know. That's why we have this weird backer ratio where you know our our average is a hundred dollars per backer. I feel like oh. that's impressive.
0: <laughs> so uh, so everybody that's listening, um, every uh, any everybody that buys the Dreamcast version, it comes with a PC or whatever equivalent code, right? Or is it just some of the tiers?
2: Um, I I think it's some of the tiers. I'm not sure exactly how we were gonna do that yet. And either we were also going to add um, an add-on for um, additional digital copies, especially because we want to do the cloud save thing. You know, we wanted to make it easy to get uh, copies for whatever console without having to pay like the full price again. Yeah. And also another thing too is like the, the prices are more relevant to the consoles that they're they're targeted towards. It's not like an overall fifty dollars for any any console. Like the mobile ones will be cheaper than you know obviously the forty nine dollars Dreamcast because that you know they had to produce a physical disc for that one. So we have like the digital downloads, I believe, from ten to fifteen right now. So that'll be definitely more geared towards that.
1: So Barry, you have a question? I I think I'm 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 questioned out. Uh, I just want to thank you guys so much for uh, answering all the questions. Thanks, guys. Hey,
2: community. I hope I've seen some people on on Segabits. Like I was. I was going to bitch you out because I'm, kind of I'm that guy on our team. Like I'm sorry, I wear like my heart on my sleeve and I'm like really emotionally invested in this project. But Connor here is Canadian. And he gets so pissed when I like bitch people out publicly. But, but there's a lot of people, a lot of people like hating on us for, for being like quote, first of all, unprofessional, which is dumb as hell. Cause yes, we are unprofessional, but that has nothing to do with our work or our work ethic. For for being Uh, inexperienced or or for this being our first game when, when, like, uh, I think our YouTube series really speaks for itself and the fact that we've developed our own engine. It's really coming out of nowhere, yeah. It's it's really kind of weird, I feel like, for the gaming community because it's not often that a project like ours arises where we did build our own engine and toolkit, you know, where you – You have to take that into consideration as well when you're like, oh, my God, these guys have been working on this game for forever, you know? So I I think a lot of gamers just fundamentally don't understand that or don't understand, like, what's involved in the game development process there. And I think we catch a lot of shit for that.
0: Yeah. And the, well, that, that's why I brought it up. I wanted you to, you know, defend yourself. Right. Yeah. So there's, you there, know, you, you guys are my, passionate. And sense. I
2: know
1: they'll keep hating, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, yeah. You know, you guys are passionate, and there will always be people with, uh, you know, their opinions out there. But I mean,
3: that's why I always tell Falco, haters going to hate.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean, what you do is you just uh, ignore them. Complete the game, release it, and then say, "All right, what now?" You know, (laughs) when the next game comes up, you're like, "We just made one already, so there's your proof."
2: Uh, Uh, I can't. I can't wait for that. (laughs) For our second game, then I'll have to go through that shit from the first game.
1: Well, just so you guys know, I do. I do know Tim. He, so I I can say, I'll I'll make an article when the game comes out. I'll say, "What now, Tim?" (laughs)
2: Thank (laughs) you. Yeah, Tim. Damn it, Tim. (laughs) Tim. Is that the guy with the Pikachu avatar? Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Tim, send me a personal message, bro. We have much to talk about. There you go. <laughs> well, thanks again, guys, Thank for you. talking to us. Um, again, it's uh, Falco, Tyler, and Connor of yep. Elysian Shadows, or ES. As they've been uh, calling us. Yes, 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 yes. So, Thank you. Uh,
2: Thanks for having us, guys. Yeah. Thanks for having us. yeah, it's
1: on Kickstarter. 25 days to absolutely. go. We are thirty.
2: And, and if if we if we pull this off, man, and we make this game, we would love to be back and and update update you guys after the Kickstarter.
1: No, absolutely. We love doing that with uh, with teams out there having Kickstarters and projects going on, just checking in with you guys every few we months. Do. So awesome. Post mortem on, on how everything actually goes. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So uh, maybe even in a month we could have you guys on.
2: Totally, totally. Well, I, I mean, as long as we pass it, because if we fail it, I'll be so. <laughs> hey, if, if I, you I
1: won't show my face <laughs> on the internet. Yeah, right. If you guys want to come on and, and cry, we can. We can yes, that'll away. be it. <laughs> no, but I, I have faith. I have faith. Thank you. Sounds good, man. All All right. sure. You guys take care. You too. See ya. All right. Bye-bye.